Episode 203, Programming Sunday with a Purpose, with Mitchell McGee, Part 1. This is Making Sunday Happen. Let's do it. This is the definitive podcast for helping you plan, create, and execute dynamic worship experiences at your church. Useful, practical content in the areas of production, worship, communications, first impressions, and more. This is Making Sunday Happen. Hey guys, this is episode number 203 of Making Sunday Happen. I'm Carl. Thanks so much for hanging out this week. Our podcast URL, if you haven't uh, checked it out yet, is makingsundayhappen.com. A couple of weeks ago, we changed our name from the Church Media Podcast to the Making Sunday Happen Podcast, just to incorporate everyone who plans and executes a worship experience at a church. So our new podcast URL is makingsundayhappen.com. There you'll find show notes and archive episodes, free resources for you and your team, all right there for you. So check it out, makingsundayhappen.com. All right, this week on the show, we start a two-part series with Mitchell McGee from North Point Church in Atlanta. He's the Director of Experience at a campus of North Point. And uh, we're going to share Mitchell's talk from Salt 18 on the funnel method. Uh, It's all about how to program for Sunday with a purpose. It's really powerful and will give you some real practical ways that you can program uh, your Sunday worship experiences. So we'll play half of that workshop this week and the other half next week for you. So over the next two weeks, you're getting Mitchell's full, unedited talk uh, from SALT 18. So if you haven't grabbed your tickets yet for SALT Conference uh, for this year, you need to jump on that. Uh, It's October 9th through 11th in Nashville, and you can register at saltnashville.com. That's saltnashville.com. Again, this week and next week, we are going to air... Uh, Mitchell's workshop from SALT 18 in in its full entirety. So this is a workshop that you would get behind the paywall at SALT University. You're getting it here absolutely free. Uh, We're going to do this randomly over the next couple of months, several talks from SALT 18. So you're going to get a lot of really, really great content. Um, So it's all leading up to this year's SALT conference. Uh, Again, register at saltnashville.com. All right, before we dive into Mitchell's talk, I want to tell you about this week's sponsor of our podcast. Uh, And by the way, if uh, you are a ministry or you have a product that you think would be great for our audience to hear about, uh, we would love to talk with you about advertising on the podcast. It's just one way that we keep the lights on. Uh, So feel free to reach out at 1230.media forward slash advertise. That's 1230.media forward slash advertise. Uh, Be sure to check out several of our options there. You can sponsor a a blog post, a podcast episode, uh, and we'll even do some e-blasts to our audience. But we only choose uh, products and ministries that we partner with, that we believe in, and that would be a great fit for our audience. So not just random stuff. uh, We like to make sure it's a really good fit for our audience. Okay, this week's podcast is sponsored by our friends at PushPay, and PushPay is the leading source for church growth, engagement, and management that help, uh, they help facilitate generosity and participation. 
Uh, Their goal is to see millions of dollars given to the local church to serve the world and make it a better place. Uh, To learn more, go to pushpay.com. That's pushpay.com. And for more, also check out this video. God has always been here. Through everything. Unchanging. He's inspired us to explore, to create, to share, to love. And through it all, God has been breathing innovation into his people, connecting us back to him. Along the way, the tools have changed, the methods updated, with mobile devices now delivering connection to our fingertips instantly. Innovation again sits at the doorstep of the church, ready to be unleashed. PushPay is here, helping churches use mobile innovation to ignite generosity, making giving simple. What if every weekend you had a roadmap to help you get more out of your service programming? North Point Community Church has designed the funnel programming method to make sure that every element works to drive home your main message. Now, you're about to learn all about that process from their director of experience, Mitchell McGee. Now, this is the full unedited workshop from SALT 18. Here is the funnel programming Sunday with a purpose. Roll it. So my name is Mitchell. I'm on staff at a church in Atlanta. Uh, I am the director of experience. That's a fancy name. A few years ago, I was the music director and they were like, we need to do something else with you because you're doing all kinds of weird stuff. And I was like, what if we called me the director of experience? And they're like, what does that mean? I was like, I don't know. But it sounded amazing. And so I am the director of experience, which means I'm in charge of all of our adult environments and creating and, uh, and leading some of our teams there. Um, but it all didn't start there. I'm from South Georgia, a little town called Dublin, Georgia. In fact, the hurricane came right through Dublin uh, last night. Twenty. I think my mom said 24,000 out of 28,000 homes last night without power in our city. Um, So uh, we're going back there tomorrow to see some of our families, so that'll be fun. But I'm from a small town in Dublin, Georgia. In Dublin, Georgia, there were two things to do growing up. You could play sports or you could go to church. I did both, and I always thought I was going to be a professional baseball player. That didn't work out. So... I started going to church. I fell in love with the church. I fell in love with the local church. And right out of college, I took my first job as a youth pastor. Anybody else take a job as a youth pastor coming out of college? Because that's what all young guys do, right? I worked with this guy back here. This guy's name's Travis. We worked at a college ministry on St. Simon's Island, uh, which not a bad place to work. He stayed there. I moved to the city. Um, and he's still doing amazing work at a great church down there in St. Simon's. Um, but uh, there was nothing else to do. So I was like, I'm going to be a youth pastor because I just thought that's what you did when you were young, right? Well, about a year into being a youth pastor, I realized being a youth pastor is really hard. Um, like, really hard. It was maybe the least rewarding thing I'd ever done in my life. And I don't mean that negatively, but it was, it was like, 
it's almost like being a parent where it's like you work so hard and you're trying to help your kids make really good decisions and they never make the decisions and the payoff isn't till later when you're standing you know at their weddings and they're like you really i mean because of what you did and i'm like you were an idiot and so you drove me out of youth ministry you know i did a wedding a while back for a kid who was in my youth group when i was 21 years old being a youth pastor and he's like you'll never know the impact i was like you were smoking dope and drinking beer every weekend. And I thought I was awful because of you, you know? And so, so anyway, this kid turned into this amazing man. I had an influence. I didn't know. But I left youth ministry. The reason I left youth ministry, though, is when my wife and I had just gotten married, we went to a camp down in Panama City Beach, Florida called Big Stuff. You ever heard of the Big Stuff camps? Really great camps. Um, some friends of mine run it. But we went to this camp, and I took 50 students. And I thought, man, I'm really doing something. 50 students. And so we sit there at this camp, and I'm trying, like, I'm, I'm defeated. I'm not a good youth pastor. Kids are awful in my youth group. It's just miserable. And I watch all these guys on the stage do this amazing stuff. The lights are crazy. It's like, it's the most engaged I've ever been in worship. And I looked up at the stage, and I looked at my wife who's sitting beside me. We've been married one year. I was like, I have to go do that. I was like, I don't know what that is. But I have to go do that. Have you ever had one of these revelation moments where you saw something so clearly that you were like, I didn't know that was possible in church. So this summer, the 50 kids and my wife said beside me, I saw something that I'd never seen before. I was like, I have to go do that. So a month later, I get home. I resigned from my job. We had $1,000 in our bank account. And we loaded up our car and I moved to Alpharetta, Georgia, where all of these guys were from who I'd seen on the stage. I didn't know any of them. I didn't know anything. I just had $1,000 in my bank account. We drove to Atlanta. The next week, I met somebody, handed them a CD. I said, hey, I'm a worship leader. Here's a CD of two acoustic songs of me playing. And it was awful. It was the worst thing you'd ever heard in your life. Well, the next day, this guy calls me back. And he says, hey, somebody backed out of leading worship on Sunday. Can you lead worship? Sure, I can lead worship. Are you kidding me? That's what I'm coming to town to do. I want to do that. I want to do that thing. Well, I showed up. It was four songs I'd never heard in my life, and these guys were phenomenal musicians. First song, literally first song at North Point Community Church in Alpharetta, Georgia, one of the biggest churches in the country. I stand on the stage. I'm singing four songs I'd never heard before in my life, and I just practice them. They, uh, you know, they had in-ear monitors. I've never played with in-ear monitors before. This is 13 years ago. And I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden the counting goes. It's like one, two, three, four. And you know what happens at the end of four, right? You got to play. Well, I had my capo in the wrong place. Guitar player on my right is playing in the key of A. I'm in the key of B. Guy on my left plays in the key of G. So all of a sudden, my first Sunday at North Point Community Church, the place I had seen, I was like, I'm going to be a part of that thing. Everybody wrong notes. I see the production director in the back of the room so embarrassed out of her mind. She hits the floor in, in embarrassment. I thought I'll never do what I wanted to do in my life. Luckily, I stuck around and it's been 13 stinking years. Through that time, I've produced a lot of environments. Uh, I had the privilege of traveling and uh, doing some world tour stuff with passion. So I road managed Chris Tomlin for like three years. And so I've seen like crazy environments and been all over the world but my heart loves the local church and i love it so much that um while traveling the world with the biggest christian artist in the world um 
I looked at my wife and I was like, I have to stay at home and we have to do this. So about eight years ago, we planted full-time at one of North Point's churches in Woodstock, and we've been there ever since, and we've watched this thing like just go crazy. Over the last eight years, we've, we've watched a church go from about 200 people to any given Sunday, we're seeing about 8,000 to 10,000 adults on a Sunday. And it's crazy. We're in the middle of nowhere, you know, um, both of us. And it's, um, and it's this amazing thing that we've gotten to help steward. So I love the local church. What we're going to talk about today is programming our Sunday experience on purpose. Because most of us are talented enough to get up at any given time, talk about whatever we want. We know the Bible just well enough to be able to quote a few scriptures. We know music well enough to get up and lead a few songs. But what I'm talking about today and what we're gonna what we're gonna look at, we're gonna actually look at what we do specifically at North Point and um, what we call the rules of engagement. It's a funnel, okay? We uh, we call it the rules of engagement. Now, if uh, if you are a systems person. Raise your hand. Like if you love systems, you love structure. Only a few of us. If you're creative like me, raise your hand. And you like, you're a rule breaker. Any rule breakers? You just love to break the rules. You don't like us, do you? You don't like rule breakers? Yeah, I like. My wife's not a rule breaker, and I'm a rule breaker. I love to break the rules. I think rules are dumb. I really do. And so when I started working at North Point, they, you know, they're like. You know, hey, you can't talk here, and you can talk here, and right here you need to do this, and right here you need to do this. I was like, I mean, I was pissed every week. Like, you've got to be kidding me. I'm following the Holy Spirit. I'm a worship leader. Come on, I've got to lead the people. you got to let me lead the people. And what I realized and what I saw over time is that the system that was in place actually ushered in more life change than I've ever seen anywhere. So as a creative today... What I'm going to talk about may frustrate you just a little bit at the beginning, but if you're a systems person, you're going to be like, man, I'm on this, and I love this, and I want more. Like, give me give me some more. What you need to know about North Point in general, or where I come from in general, we are highly committed to creativity. Sometimes we're so, cre- uh, we're so creative that we mess things up. You know, it's like, that thing was fine like it was. Just stop being creative. One of our core values... Uh, at North Point or at Woodstock City is make it better. People take that really seriously around our place. People are always making be- things better. And so sometimes it's to the detriment. But even though we have a what we call a, a, um, a template, one of our core values is making it better. So we're always making it better within our template. Here's what happens for us, and I'm sure this is what happens for you at any of your churches even in Oklahoma. We are watching... Um, we're watching culture, and we're watching culture change so rapidly. And what we are trying to do is figure out how to meet people where they are and help them connect with Jesus. That's what all of us are doing on any given Sunday. And so what we have found out is that a model, a template, using a template is, is the best way for us to move forward on any given Sunday, you know what a template is, right? A template is just a model. When you make Christmas cookies and your kids are cutting out Christmas cookies, they use a what? They use a template because it's consistent and they can do it the same every single time. And so for us, we use a template. Here's what I know about you. You have a template. Let me say that again. You already have a template. You may not know how to define it. You may not know how to stand on a stage and teach about it. Your attenders 
may not know how to describe it, but if I were to show up at your church for one month, just one month, I would be able to tell you what your template is, what the experience was going to be, what I could actually expect the next time, um, the next time I showed up. So um, here's what here's what I've noticed over um, over my time of working in the church is that your template is perfectly designed. My template is perfectly designed to give me to give me the results that I'm currently getting. Have you noticed that? Your template, the thing you do every Sunday, is perfectly designed to give you the results that you are currently getting. So, there are two groups of people in this, though. There's those of you who love the results you're getting on a Sunday. If that's you, let me say, way to go. If you love the results you are getting on a Sunday, here's what I urge you to do when you get back home. Document what you're doing. And then teach what you're doing. Because what comes intuitive to you as a programmer or as a creative may not come intuitive to the next generation. Okay? So what you've maybe stumbled on by accident in creating a great experience on a Sunday, document it. Teach it. Teach the people who are under you. Teach your volunteers. Because what's intuitive to you may not be intuitive to them. And then there's another group of people. There are those of us who are like, I don't really love the results we're getting on a weekend or on a, you know, on a Sunday service. What's our tendency sometimes, though, when we don't love what, we, um, what we're getting? We usually press in harder. We pray harder. We learn more. We, we just continue to like push and push and push and push on the same will that we've always been pushing on. And I would just say for a minute today, if you don't love the results you're getting, take a step back, take a deep breath, and, uh, and maybe, maybe look at things from a different angle for a second. But I definitely don't think praying harder and trying harder around the same thing you've always been doing, you're going to just get the same results. So in just a second, we're going to talk about our template. Um, and here's what you need to know. Just as, this is a disclaimer. You need to know that our template at North Point is not the way. We know that. I know that. It's a way. Okay, and, uh, and our template at North Point gets us the results that we feel like we've been put in our community to get. So every Sunday we show up to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus. Our audience on a Sunday is very wide. It's anywhere from, from a skeptic all the way to a saint, right? And so we've got a really, really broad audience we are looking at on a Sunday. And here's what we know. Our template is perfectly designed for us to reach that audience. So as we're talking about this today, I want you to think about who's my audience? What is my will on a Sunday? And how am I going to get people there? A few caveats before we get talking about the template. If you're a pastor, real quick. For pastors, if your team thinks you preach too long, but you don't think you preach too long, you have a template problem, <laughs> right? And then you get on a meeting on Monday morning and you're like, Pastor, you preach too long. You're like, I don't think I preach too long. And then the education director's mad because all the babies at one hour were screaming. And they're like, I don't, the Holy Spirit has left the building. At an hour, Pastor, you've got to stop. For worship leaders, this was me. This is really big. For worship leaders or programming directors, 
If you think there needs to be more music or more worship or more singing, but the pastor doesn't, you have a template problem. And here's the thing. If this is a consistent conversation or a dialogue, I want more music. I want, I want less music. I want more preaching. I want less preaching. Um, you probably haven't sat down and determined what your weekend is and then what your template or what your model will be to move forward to gain your weekend win. For student ministry directors, if there are any of those in here or education directors, if you can't seem to get announcements made on a Sunday morning on a stage and nobody's told you why or nobody said, hey, we don't do announcements anymore or we don't do it like here that anymore. If you don't know the model of why you're doing or why the services are planned like they are, you've got a template problem. Here's a big one for me. If your weekend service varies more than 10 minutes every week, I think you have a template problem. If your service varies more than 10 minutes one way or the other every week, I would say you have a template problem. If your communicator, your pastor, gets up late every week, I would say you probably have a template problem. Now, none of these things, we know this, none of these things are bad. Music is not bad. Worship's not bad. Preaching long is not bad. I worked for the longest preacher in history, Louis Giglio, at one, one point in my life. Like, none of these things are bad, but if if our expectations aren't being met, if you're a worship leader, if your expectations as a pastor aren't being met, and nobody knows why, we have a template problem. It means we haven't talked about our win, we haven't clarified what a win is on Sunday, and we haven't built a model to get us there. That's why every leader on our team, every volunteer on our team, must be clear about what Sunday is designed for. So. About our template. Our template is around uh, is designed, I told you this a second ago, is a, it's designed to accomplish our weekend win. A win is kind of like a goal. A goal is something you accomplish, you know this, but a win is for us is something we experience. So our, our weekend win is around something that we would hope that our attenders would experience. Again, our template's designed around a really diverse group of adults. Um, and here's our goal. On a Sunday, our goal is to take them from where they are when they enter our parking lot to where we think they need to be. Our goal, and uh, you may want to write this down, who knows if it's even good. Our goal is to host our attendees from the parking lot to the point. So within our program every Sunday, we're not just thinking about our room. It starts outside of the room for us. We're thinking, what's it going to look like for us to host all of our attendees from the parking lot all the way to the point of the message. And like your church, our audience is so, so diverse. Um, here's what we found out. To move a diverse group of people to the same place, um, we, we believe that it takes common ground. So for instance, if you, want to, um, if you want me to follow you on a journey, what do you need to do to get me to follow you on a journey? Are you going to stand over here and you're going to say, hey, Mitchell, just come over here. Come over here, Mitchell. No, you're never going to get me like that. You're going to come to me and you're going to say, hey, man, what's up, buddy? What's your name? Hey, hey man, why don't you come over here? Why don't you come over here for me? No, you ain't going to come right now. But the point is, when our people walk in our room, every Sunday is dictated based on where we start our services. If you don't start on common ground, you are so likely to leave a ton of people behind. So what happens when I talk about hosting people from 
the parking lot to the point. So what does a host do? Anybody? What's a host do? What's a host do? They welcome people. They take care of people. They host people. They identify with people. They empathize with people. And so here's, um, here's where we learn this, this whole common ground thing. Jesus in, uh, in Luke, he's talking to a really large group of people. You know this passage of scripture really well, but um, we're about to jump in, into, our, into our model, but I just want you to know that we didn't just make this whole thing up. We, we really believe it's um, inspired from Jesus. He, he says in Luke 15, 1 through 6, this right here. Let me take a second more first. He says, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. So just imagine for a second, Jesus is standing in front of a massive group of people. Who's with him? Religious people and sinners, people who, who, who could care less who he was or care less about following him. Really, they, they weren't into the religious thing. That was okay. Jesus actually seemed okay that they were in his audience and they were all gathering around to hear him speak. Continues, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told him this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Think about that for a second. He looks at the group and he says, I suppose one of you loses a sheep. Has anybody ever lost anything? Now all of a sudden, what am I speaking into? I'm speaking into a common emotion that everybody has experienced. Man, I've never lost a sheep, but you know what? I lost a, I lost a few dollars the other day. I lost a kid at the grocery store. I lost, you know, like all of a sudden, all of these humans who are way different spiritually from skeptic all the way to saint, they're sitting here and they're like, yeah, I've lost something. Tell me, like, tell me more about that. I'm in, I'm in. I may not believe what you're going to say is true about losing something, but I've definitely lost something and I'm in with you right now. Suppose one of you has has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? Sure. And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and he goes home and he calls his friends and his neighbors together and he says, Rejoice with me. I found my lost sheep. You see, we think that the common ground is human emotion. We think common ground is human emotion. So at the very beginning of our services, you're going to find out that we are trying to tap in to this common ground, which we believe is human emotion. By creating a common emotion for everyone, the first-timers in our room feel comfortable, and the people who love Jesus feel comfortable because we put everybody together. Here's what we know. We are drawn to people who make us feel comfortable. We are drawn to environments that make us feel comfortable. This is why we... Eat at the restaurants we eat at. We eat at that same restaurant because that hostess one time greeted me. I don't even remember if the food's good, but they treat me like royalty there. So guess where I go back to? That same restaurant. We are drawn to people in environments that make us feel good. And here's what we also know. We resist people in environments that make us feel uncomfortable. So at the beginning of the service, we are trying to tap into a common emotion that everybody in the room might be feeling. And here's what we know. To reach a, a broad spectrum, we must ask three important questions. You may want to write these down. You may not. I don't, I don't care, you know. Um, the first one we ask ourselves is, how is this going to make people feel at the top of the service? We ask ourselves the question, what do we want people to feel? 
Like when I'm planning a Sunday experience, like what am I hoping that that song brings out? What am I hoping that my worship leader says? Like when my worship leader says, bam, is that what I really hoped people would, would feel? And then lastly, the last question we ask is, at what point is it appropriate to risk people feeling uncomfortable? Because there is a point in our service where we want people to feel a little bit of that, oh, okay, maybe I need to do something with this. Maybe what Jesus was saying is really, really true. The show notes for this episode are available now at makingsundayhappen.com. Next week on the podcast, we will continue Mitchell's workshop on programming Sunday with a purpose. You'll see the final half of that talk next week. And in two weeks on the show, I welcome Dr. Joe Way. Joe has written a really in-depth book on the theology behind producing worship. Now, it is a really hefty, dense, thick book on how to produce worship and the theology behind how we do worship in the modern church today. Uh, But I promise you we're going to bring it down on a level that is really practical and easy to understand. So it's going to be really good, and Dr. Joe will join me in two weeks uh, live on the podcast. So be sure to also continue the conversation in our Making Sunday Happen Facebook group. Just search Making Sunday Happen on Facebook to find and join the group today. Thank you guys so much for listening. Go out there and create some incredible worship experiences this weekend. I'll catch you next week. Making Sunday Happen is a production of the Ministry of 1230 Media. For show notes, archive episodes, and more free resources for your church, visit makingsundayhappen.com.